Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. All right, what a day so far, amen? Man, I tell you what, when the presence of the Lord shows up, it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Well, happy Father's Day to all my, you can uh, bring this monitor down, brother. I don't know where you're sure you are, bring this monitor down. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads. I know we've done that a few times, but I just wanted to do that officially. I got my big water, I got my big Bible, I got my big table. We're going to be here a while. I know it's Father's Day, and I'm trying to be very aware of um, the time, but the power knocked our clock out, so... Some of y'all don't know whether to laugh or cry or what. Listen, I, the Lord has just birthed something in my spirit that I just am so excited and can't wait to deliver to our fathers today. And I believe if you pay attention, my goal is that everyone would leave here as a father that is just pumped and excited about being a father. And those that are maybe not a father yet would be thinking, man, I can't wait to be a father. That's my goal this morning. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit has in store for us. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you one more time rejoicing in you and all that you've done. Thank you for your presence that is with us. Thank you for your spirit. We, it, it, Lord, you're here. We thank you. And Lord, we know that you're not done moving. You're not done speaking. Lord, I just pray that your glory and your spirit would just continue to be in this room and go through these cameras to the homes of those visiting with us from afar. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Speak, I pray, Lord. The stage is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get into Father's Day, I have to give a quick shout-out. Talking about the concept of fathers and men, I have to give a quick shout-out. You may have seen some videos on Facebook about our, our Michigan District Royal Rangers uh, training academy took place here over the weekend, and it was a great honor to host something like that. We had boys from all over the state, um, some men from all over the area that came here, and it, it, these camps are terrific. They come and they focus on, on training up godly men, training up the future generation. And we have a wonderful time. We have devotions in the evening and in the morning. We have council fires at night where we're praying and worshiping. And this year we partnered with an organization, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, that, that um, brought, we had a bunch of lumber come. They brought a bunch of tools down. And we, you might have seen the video. Where, um, we built a whole bunch of bunk beds. And then we loaded them up in a trailer and we delivered them to several homes in the community. And we walked into some of these homes, and there was no beds. These kids, you could clearly tell, sleeping on hardwood floors. Walking into homes that maybe on a two or three children sharing a, an air mattress in the floor. And it, can't, it felt so good to come in there with our tools and build these boys a bed. Gave them a brand new mattress, even some Star Wars bedding and a home. Right. And there's another project called Project Linus. Never heard of it before, but this is another organization that, if you like to knit and crochet, you knit and crochet blankets, like afghans and blankets for these beds. So everyone, all the little boys and girls got a custom-made, uh, handmade one, and then a bed and a bag. And I'll never forget the one home we went to, these two little twin boys in it that had been sleeping on a Coleman air mattress. Not temporarily, that was their arrangement. And they got, we got to put this bed together, and they got all in it. They were swinging their feet. They were getting the blankets, and, and they were just beside themselves. It was Christmas morning. And I saw the faces of our young men wearing their white hats and white T-shirts. And I could see the pride swell within them as they were the hands and feet of Jesus. 
And when we got back, we heard from the organizational leader. He said, I've worked with kids all the time, but I've never met a group of young men more prepared, more qualified, more Christ-like than your men. And to make it better is that's not a Christian organization. We were the hands and feet of Christ to these men and to these families. So I just give a shout out. If you haven't ever sent a boy to one of these, they're over for the summer. We got another uh, one in the, later in the year, but next year they'll be going. Let me encourage you to jump on board with that. We are going to, I tried to put together a video and show it this morning, but it wasn't done with excellence, and so I wasn't going to show it. But we are going to compile something, so please be watching social media this week, and we're going to compile something this morning. But I just had to brag on those boys. I'm so proud of them, so proud of them. Well, this morning, guys, it is Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to everybody. We've, I wanted to give honor to my dad. We have already done that. This morning is important to me. So listen, guys, go to your Bibles in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We're going to continue in the story um, and in the scripture of what the Holy Spirit is saying, fathering with an upgrade. We've been talking about living with an upgrade. This morning, I want to talk to you about fathering with an upgrade. The impact of a spirit-filled dad. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify it and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. I want to keep going. We're going to be talking about family and the Holy Spirit in weeks to come, and this passage deals with wives and husbands, but I wanted to highlight that verse, and I'll speak on that in just a moment. So let's go to keep going in chapter 6, verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonishment of the Lord. Father's Day is set aside today to celebrate fathers. Now listen, I know this day comes with a mixed emotions for many, many of us, maybe you had a great dad and today's a happy day for you. Maybe you didn't have a great dad and today is a day of bitterness for you. Maybe you've lost your dad and today is a reminder of that. So I'm trying to be aware of that. And then as time goes on, days like this turn into Father's Day but also just Men's Day because we don't want to leave our men out much like on Mother's Day. But, but there's nothing more exciting and intimidating as being a dad. How many would agree with that? There's nothing more exciting but nothing more as intimidating as being a dad. I heard it said a long time ago, and you'll understand why I said a long time ago by the reference, but someone made the comment, said, I got more of a manual with my VCR that I bought from the store than I did with my child I brought home from the hospital. Yeah, you heard me right. That's how long ago it was. But isn't that true? You buy a device, you get a booklet. You, even on your phone, you got an app that will help you understand your phone better. But when you get a child, here you go. And you've got this living being that you are now responsible for. If I could be very honest with you, I couldn't imagine trying to be a father without being filled with the Holy Spirit. The pressures of a father and a husband are so many. All these thoughts go through your mind. Am I providing enough? Am I protecting enough? Am I leading enough? And do my kids have enough? Does my wife have enough? Am I doing a good enough job? These big strapping men that you may see on the outside quite often are little insecure little boys on the inside. The pressures of a man, the pressures of a husband, the pressures of a father are far more than you may see on the outside. In fact, the word husband literally means house band. 
You know how you have a bunch of twigs or a bunch of lumber together loosely? You tie some rope around it to bring it all together. There's a lot of tension on that rope. There's a lot of pressure on that rope. There's a lot of expectation on that rope. So it goes the way of the father, and so it goes the way of the husband in this day and age. The journey of fatherhood is very progressive. I'll never forget when I, my wife was pregnant with our first child, and maybe you're expecting your first child, and you're all excited, and you got the ultrasound, and you're, you're picking out the, the baby's names, and, and you get the baby from the hospital, and you got that diaper bag that literally could survive Armageddon. You got 47 packs of diapers in there, three packs of wipes, four cans of formulas, a T-bone steak just in case, and every kind of ointment and powder known to man, and even the dog. By the time you have three or four or five kids, you may be lucky to have a diaper in the back seat somewhere. Come on now. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And then everything is cute and everything is awesome and they're going to be life changers and wonderful changes. And then all of a sudden they go through their toddlers. Someone said there's no faster force on earth than a toddler with something in its mouth that it shouldn't have. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Poo! There you go, take off running. But it's all exciting and then you're the first one, two, three years go by and you've had no sleep. You start to set in, you get the bags under your eyes, and you start to just learn, and, and you get mom brain or dad brain. You might have done, it's just the way that it goes. And then there's something called 14. I don't, I don't know why. I've heard of many things in life that are not pleasant. But it wasn't until I experienced one of my kids with their 14 that I realized what that was. Somebody said that teenagers are God's revenge on mankind. You create something in your image only to look back at you and deny your existence, deny your wisdom, and refuse everything you have to give them but want your blessing and a place to live. So the fathers, that's for you. Mothers, that's also for you. <laughs> so listen, before I've got three points I want to give you this morning, and, and we'll get out of here and get us some steak, but please give me some time this morning. We've done a lot of things. The first foundation I want to lay with you, we're going to be in, in, in Ephesians, but we're also going to be back in Genesis. And maybe, hopefully, you got a handout. If not, you can slip your hand up and the usher will get one to you, but hopefully you got a handout. But these scriptures are on the handout, but we're going to go back and forth from Ephesians and to Genesis. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, in Genesis 1, I think we have that on the screen. Genesis 1. I want you to look at this scripture. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse 31 says, Then God looked over all that he had made and saw that it was very good. Can I tell you that right here, God is the one that made man. Can I tell you right here that when God made man and God made woman, he said, it is good. Can I tell you that God made man and called him good? We may live in a society that would try to say that men are the problem of society. We live in a society that would push back on men, and they would blame us for everything wrong that is happening. And yes, there's some bad apples in the bunch, but can I tell you that something? I want to tell some of you all this morning that it's okay to be a man. We live in a society where they say it's okay to be everything but. I'm here to set some men of God free today and say it's okay to be the man of God that God made you. God said male and female are good. Male is good and female are good. I want you, we're going to keep going here. We've got another scripture in Genesis 2, 7. He says this, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. We're going to stop right there. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. One theologian said it like this. He said, think about it like this. 
God spoke light into existence with one word. See, in your Bible it says, and God said, let there be light. Who was God asking permission for to turn the light switch of the universe on? He wasn't. In fact, in the Hebrew word, it is one word, Abner. You might think it'd be a tougher name for that, but that's really the Hebrew word for light. So, in all, so this is how it happened. God came to the darkness of the world he created and said, light. Light was on in one word. Can you fathom the power of our God? He did not clearly say, if you all think about it, can you have a board meeting come into agreement and bring some light? He just said one word, light. But as we see here in Genesis, he said the Lord God formed man. Look at that word formed. The Bible says he took dust from the ground and he formed it. He carved it. He took time to create it. He took time to invest in making the outward structure of the male. He took time to invest in the inside of the male. Y'all got to help me today. Come on, somebody. He took time to structure the way that men think, the way that men act, the way that men are on the inside. He took one second to speak light into the universe, but he took a segment of time to create, to form, to invest, to mold man. Men are wonderfully made of God. In Psalm 139, one of my favorite passages, he says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are natural hunter-gatherers. We thrive on the pursuit and challenge and quest. Quite often, this manifests itself in a midlife crisis. Oftentimes when men get the job they want, they get the woman they want, they get the whatever they want, they got to dye their hair yellow and buy a Corvette because there's nothing else to do. Don't lose it, man. Keep pursuing your wife. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just got to throw that in there. Keep pursuing your wife. Keep dating your wife. My wife and I, my wife has a really a powerful office called Put You in Check, my husband. And a lot of times I horse around with her and she'd be like, Stop. You didn't marry one of your friends. I'm your wife. Hug me. I grew up in a house of testosterone. We were all boys and men. We had a male dog, you know. Give this to mom. Remember that movie? Some of y'all are like, what's he talking about? Yeah. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. My wife will tell me, hug me. I'm your wife. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made because we are this hunter, this gatherer. Unfortunately, quite opposite thing. This can have the quite opposite effect. Let me explain this. Men naturally crave winning and success. Men naturally crave this. But here's where we're going with the message today. But quite often when we don't feel like we can win, we forfeit. Quite often when we get intimidated in the situation, we back off and we forfeit. You see, this is where I believe a lot of men are living today in a place of forfeiture. And we'll explain more of that in a minute. So yes, God made man and man was good. But let's take it a step further. In Genesis 2-7, it's still up on the screen. Thank you, Amber. Awesome. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living thing. Let me tell you that God breathed into Adam, and Adam awoke. God breathed into this lifeless, this empty, this void sculpture of the earth, and God breathed life into him, and he awoke him. 
Fathers, let me just throw this at you today. Will you allow God to breathe upon you with his Holy Spirit so that you can awaken to a living thing? Let me just tell you that we live in a society where, yes, we want people to wake up to things, and we have a whole culture about that. And I'm, for, I'm all for having conversations and having things. But listen, I believe the Lord spoke into my heart, and he's saying, he was saying to me today, he said, I've got men in our society that are trying to awaken, but they're not awakening to the things of the Spirit. They're awakening all right, but they're not awakening awakening with my spirit within them and therefore they're walking zombies what are zombies zombies are half dead but half alive and what do zombies like to do nothing but eat other people to turn them into zombies God breathed his life into Adam and Adam became a living thing you men of God were made to carry the spirit. You were made to carry the anointing. You were made to carry the very presence of God. God breathed his air into Adam. God breathed his life into Adam. But, oh, you can't have air and water in the lung at the same time. You cannot live and try to be a fish of the sea and breathe the air of God's creation at the same time. Nor can we walk according to the world. Nor can we walk according to the flesh and expect to breathe the air of God. It can't be done. How many men in this place would say, I'm going to let God breathe his life into me? Come on now. Come on. In the garden, man had three things to do. He had to tend to the garden. He got to walk with God in the cool of the day. And when Eve came, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, we've made that very religious in the church. But how many of y'all know there's only one way to multiply and have kids? Got all real nervous and uncomfortable in here. That's what I'm talking about. We'll talk about that more in the later. But who do you think invented that? God. The devil in the world has taken that idea and tried to pervert it, and the church has stayed away from it. But listen, this was the job that Adam had in the garden. And I don't know about you, but I believe Adam and Eve just were hot. I'm just going to tell you. I don't, because God is a God of excellence. And I believe that Adam and Eve were just specimens. And God put them in this beautiful garden to tend to it, and walk with God every single day in the cool of the day and multiply and have children. That was their job. They didn't go to the plant. They didn't go to the office. That was their job. But we also see this, that unfortunately that didn't last too long. Because when Adam and Eve and the family, they disobeyed God and sin entered the world and death entered the world and rebellion entered the world, because of their disobedience, they forfeited the good position in the garden. They forfeited their good position in the garden. And if I could be honest with you, men of God, we've been forfeiting things in our lives ever since. We've been forfeiting our office. We've been forfeiting a lot of things. But I believe God is speaking to the men, not only of this church, but the men worldwide. One of the things we talked about in our, in our adventure or our training camp was the, of Nehemiah. And I told these young boys around the fire, just as Nehemiah went back to a desolated city, he restored it. I believe God is sending men of God and women of God, but this is Father's Day. I believe God is sending men of God to the societies of the world that were devastated during 2020. And in a way to say, yes, things were lost, things were torn down, but he's saying, I'm sending some men of God that are going to rebuild it, and this time rebuild it right. Rebuild it on the principles of the Word of God. Rebuild it upon the, the family model of the Word of God. He's doing that in this day. But listen, let me tell you this word forfeit. Forfeit means lost or surrendered as a penalty for wrongdoing or neglect. 
Look at that last word, neglect. If you as a, as a, as a, as a ball team, you show up to a game, you don't have enough players, you forfeit. You don't even play the game, you don't even get a chance to try, you forfeit because of the situation. And I believe a lot of men are living in this area of forfeit. So there's three main areas that I believe God is saying, men, you need to arise in these three areas. Number one is this, don't forfeit your voice. Don't forfeit your voice. Look at the scripture in Genesis 2.19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found for him a a helper comparable to him. We'll talk about that later. Would you ever hear that old song? Man gave names to all the animals. I don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. A couple of y'all know what I'm talking about. I couldn't help but... Thing that song. That's just how my mind works. Last week when Pastor Eddie started reading Ephesians 5, did anybody else think, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the head. Y'all help me? No. That's just the way my mind works. It, it takes detours musically sometimes. But listen, men, don't forfeit your voice. Listen, after God breathed his life into Adam, he brought Adam to the cattle and brought Adam to the beast, and he said, now you name them. God breathed his life into Adam. Men, can I tell you that if you allow God to breathe his life into you, he's given you a voice of affirmation. He's given you a voice that creates identity. He's given you a voice that will, that will speak into the next generation. He's given you a voice that's going to speak identity to your children. He's given you a voice that's going to speak affirmation to your wife. He's given you a voice of, of creation, a voice that, to, to just be a, a positive influence, a Christ-like influence. But you can't forfeit your voice. This is a natural thing in life. You see this, I can guarantee you there's not a sports team on existence that doesn't have nicknames for almost, it's just a guy thing. You go to the plant, everybody's got a nickname. You go to the ball team, everybody's got a nickname. You go to whatever, this group of men, it's like a thing we do, right? We got nicknames for everybody. That's just what guys do. Because that's naturally given upon us because God has given us. You see, I love this because God said that when, when God brought the creatures to Adam, Adam named them and whatever Adam named them, that's what they were. You have a voice of affirmation, but you also have a voice of destiny over your children. Fathers, when you look your children in the eye, are you speaking things over them in life or are you speaking things over them in death? Are you speaking over them? You're always going to be no count like deadbeat uncle so-and-so? Or are you looking and you can look in them in the eye and you can say you're going to be what God has for you to be? Where are our fathers speaking life into our boys and girls of our lives? Listen, Dad, your voice is the loudest and most influential in your home. Your family needs to hear your voice. Your wife needs to hear your voice of affirmation. Your children need to hear your voice. I know those kids that you pray about, Lord, why did you give me these kids? They're driving me nuts. I can tell you why. Because just as God brought the creatures to Adam, because he knew that Adam knew what they needed to be called, God gave you your children because he gave you the tools to use to raise those children in the ways that God would have you to do it. But we forfeited our voice. We forfeited our voice. And here's three ways how we've done it. Number one, by not being spiritually grounded. You see this in the story of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. Remember when Gabriel came to visit him and he said, you and your wife are going to have a children, have, have a child. And he was like, how can this be? Because I'm old. 
the Bible says that Gabriel said, how dare you question me? My name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Therefore, you will not speak a word until this child is born. Read it. Luke chapter 2, I believe it is. Peter tells us in 1 Peter, brothers, treat your wives with respect, love, and honor so that your prayers are not hindered. Sometimes the voice, our spiritual voice of authority is muted because we have our home that is not spiritually grounded. God bless three of you. I hope that made sense. The next thing is this. We forfeit our voice in this way. We don't use it at all. We get intimidated. It is a proven fact. I've heard a, I heard a family therapist talking about this the other day, a Christian family person. And they said that it, on average, when a daughter gets to be 15, 16 years old, the fathers tend to withdraw from them because they don't know how to handle. My little girl's now a woman, and they look different. They, they, they sit, and, and this is like an average. They said fathers are doing this, and they don't even realize it. But we do this because I said earlier, men like to win, and quite often, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. I, 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 know, I, I know I sized up the fight. I'm not going to win. I just back away. But can I tell you something? When we get intimidated, that is not the time to back away, but that is when we need to rely on the spirit-filled father to step into that role, and he will help engage your children. See, we, we get intimidated to talk to our children about sex, but they're going to learn about it on TikTok. Because we don't have men of God that are saying, you are a boy made in the image of God, be one. You are a girl made in the image of God, be one. That's why we got boys and girls waking up being a boy and a girl and a this and a that. Because they have no voice of affirmation. They have no father that is filled with the spirit that will tell them that they are who God made them to be. They are beautiful. They are powerful. Be the man of God. Be the woman of God that he made you to be. Come on, fathers. Whatever thing, we wonder why we don't, have a, we don't have proper respect for authority, proper respect for when's the last time that you've had a father come in your life and say, shake that guy's hand and look him in the eye. Take your hat off when you come indoors. I know some of that sounds a little old-fashioned, but in the words of Captain America, I think we need a little old-fashioned right now because we've lost the role of the man. We've lost the role of the woman, and it's time to take it back in the name of Jesus Christ with a spirit-filled father. Come on, praise the Lord. Whatever topic, whatever thing we're afraid to take up, let me tell you, the enemy will gladly give his interpretation. You be who you feel like you need to be. We no longer call it a gender reveal. It's now a sex reveal. Did you catch that? About a year ago in the news outlets and when they, when they do the verbal broadcast or you read the article, celebrities posting, you don't see the word gender reveal anymore. It's sex reveal. What is the sex of the baby? Do you see how subtly some of y'all didn't even, didn't even notice they changed that? Because we're already trying to take away the gender, the power of gender. We just read that God made male and God made female and they're both good. But it is the voice of the father to stand up and say, enough is enough. Spirit-filled father. The last thing is this, we forfeit our voice because we use it wrongly. And I mentioned this a few minutes ago. We're filled with negative speech. And I know how it is to be a dad. Listen, I'm not perfect. Ask one of my kids. They'll tell you right now. I'm not perfect, and I don't pretend to have it all together. But I'm trying to show you some things God showed me in the Word of God. In fact, I got my, my Navy dad shirt on. I forgot to highlight that. Proud of that today. My oldest son enlisted in the United States Navy. Got bumped up in boot camp, class leader in A school. Come on now. He's, I said, son, you're not gonna, Navy's not going to impact you. You're going to impact the Navy in Jesus' name. 
Let me just tell you, he called me last night. He said, Dad, God has got me doing ministry right here in boot camp. I had a friend that was on the brink of taking his own life. And I said, can I pray for you? And I talked to him about the power of God. And he talked to him to 2 o'clock in the morning. Tell me God ain't got plans for you. No matter where you are, God's got plans for you. He was in boot camp and he said, I want this one assignment that's literally one in a thousand. Recruits get it. And they said, Markham, you'll never get it because you don't know the Navy. He said, you don't get it. You don't know the size of my God. And he said, Dad, when they came around and gave orders, I got the exact thing I wanted. One in a thousand? Yeah. Even his instructors. I'm just bragging on, on my son and what God is doing in his life. I got another daughter who was accepted to Brown University for a summer internship next summer. I got another son who is on his way academically right behind him, and the youngest who is the most creative, artful person I've ever met in my life, more personality in his pinky finger than most of us have in our whole body. Proud of my kids. Listen, Father, they, they don't need to hear how they remind you of Uncle Deadbeat. If you don't think the vo value of your voice is powerful, look at the scripture in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And then a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. If Jesus Christ needed to hear the voice of his heavenly father, how much more do the people of earth need to hear the voice of a spirit-filled father to say, you are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased, in whom there is vision, in whom there is life. Can I tell you at this baptism, Jesus had not performed one miracle. He had not healed one person. He did nothing worth that we are waiting for. By the time you do something good, I'll tell you. No, 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 you got that backwards, my friend. Speak life into them before they even get off the ground. You gas up an airplane before it flies. Fuel your children before they get off the ground. Let's keep going today. The second thing I believe we're, in, we're, we're forfeiting today is fathers, don't forfeit your influence. Don't forfeit your influence. It's a shame that our churches or ministry teams are comprised. And it's not a shame. I don't mean to say it like that. I thank God for our women. But where are the men in the church that want to give their influence? Where are the men in the educational world? Where are the men that are going to stand up and give an influence? I'm releasing you in Jesus' name today. Don't, let's go to the scripture. Don't forfeit your influence. This next scripture. Look what Paul wrote. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children. Look at that language. But as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in Christ. Leave that up for a moment, Amber. I want to draw your attention to a couple of things. You do not have many fathers, but you have many instructors. I want to replace that word with a word you might be more familiar with, influencers. All of our social media, all of our, we've got this new term now for what we used to call celebrities. We now call them influencers. We now have influence. Listen, look at this definition of influence. Influence is the capacity to have an effect on a character, development or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself indirectly. He said, you have many instructors, fathers. Your children have many influencers on social media. Do you know who they are? 
Did you even know that word existed? They have many, many influences, but they don't have enough fathers. This is why we need fathers, because fathers care about who you are, and an influencer only cares about what you do, because all they want is to push their agenda and get their like and subscribe ratings up so their algorithms increase, and they get paid by Snap and by TikTok and by you. Come on, I'm just telling you how it is. They don't care anything about you, boys and girls. Fathers, you need to stand up and be the man of God who gives your influence, a spirit-filled influence. He said, you do not have many fathers. Where are our fathers? And back, going back to Genesis chapter 3, listen to me very carefully. Genesis chapter 3, they had fallen, they had partaken of the fruit, they had sinned. And the Bible says that God showed up one evening for his daily meeting with Adam and Eve and nobody was there. He came to church and nobody showed up. And the Bible says that God began to cry out, Adam, where are you? The family that I created is missing. The family I created has no identity. The family I created is floundering. Adam, where are you? He didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you? He didn't say, Adam and Eve, Mr. and Mrs. Garden. He said, Adam, where are you? And I believe the voice of the Lord is saying in 2020, Adam, men of faith, men of God, where are you? And we find Adam was hiding in the weeds and he said, Lord, I was ashamed. It's time the men of God get out of the weeds of despair. It's time the men of God get out of the weeds of depression. It's time the men of God get out of the weeds of pornography and sin and murder and hatred. It's time the men of God get out of the weeds and step forward and say, Lord, here I am. God is saying, Adam, where are you? Men, where are you? It is time, men of God, you step up and lead your family in the ways of the Lord. It is time you grab your Bible and you step up and lead your family in the ways of the word. It is time you stand up with your worship voice and lead your children and family into worship. Adam, where are you? Don't forfeit your influence. In Ephesians chapter 6, going back to Ephesians, he says this, Fathers, you will do two things, and here's what they are. Number one, you will train them. The action of teaching a person or animal a particular skill or a type of behavior. You will train them. The second thing is this, an admonition, which means an act or action of, admon of admonishing. Authoritative counsel or warning. Listen, fathers. God put you in your home to train your home in the ways of the Lord. Train, train, train. Somebody said, do I need this personal trainer to work out? No. Would I work out this hard without one? No. Y'all hear that old saying, the idle hands are the devil's workshop? I think it's time we let our children's idle hands get them in long enough trouble. I think it's time that it's time for the return of the influence of the men of God. It's time for them to come back. It's time for men of integrity to arise. It's time for men of character to arise. I never said you had to be perfect. I never said you had to know all the Bible. I never said you had to know any of that. But if you are willing to rise up men of God and take your family and train them in the ways of the Lord, if you're willing to take your family and admonish them, and sometimes you got to look your child in the eye and say, you got to leave that person alone because they're ruining your life you got to leave that substance alone because it's going to ruin your life. You need to get your butt in school and get some better grades. This is how you admonish your child. Did you ever see that clip? Go ahead. 
There's a clip. I, I, I have a, 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 I typically, let me open it. Sometimes I'll flip through YouTube, you know, just to get something to do. But I don't usually turn the sound on on videos. Because I know you got to be very careful on some of the language and stuff. And there was a video I saw. And, and, and uh, this, uh, this bodybuilder dude that was like the trainer of another bodybuilder. And, and it shows this guy inside eating like nachos. And he's got a burger. And then you see this dude walking. How many of y'all ever see that video? And all of a sudden he comes in and he goes, he just kicks that plate of nachos out that guy and gets in his face in the whole video. Then I watched it without sound and thought, oh, no, i got to put the sound mute back down. So I'm not... I'm not encouraging that video unless you watch it without the sound. But that picture went in my mind. That's how you got to do as a dad sometimes. You got to go in and you got to lean into those uncomfortable situations. I know you might not. There was three of us boys and my first son was a boy. My, then when my first daughter came, my first and only daughter came, it was like a whole new world. Everything I say can be used against me. A whole new world. I say, honey, you got to come. I don't even know what this means. But I learned that I have to engage anyway. I have to engage. What, 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 what did Jake Blues Brothers say? We got a half a tank of gas, a half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark. We're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you got to go in blind. Sometimes you got to go in. Because you need to have the care for that daughter and the care for that son to give them influence. This is how you have influence on your children. Ready? I'm about to drop this bomb on you. I'm about to unleash this great heavenly revelation. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and what Charles Spurgeon had to say. Let me tell you. How you influence your children. T-I-M-E. It is not our job to raise your children. Speaking on behalf of the church. It is not our job to raise your children. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, or mentally. We are a supplement of what you should be doing at home. We have several. Let me get ahead of myself. Let me just, I'm going to stay right there just for a minute. Fathers, listen. Your influence is louder than you might think it is. Your influence, listen, your lowest benchmark, your lowest standard will be their highest. That's just how it works. How they see you treat women, how they see you treat other people. How they hear you tell those dirty jokes in the parking lot when pastor ain't watching. How they wait for you to, you know, flip that channel so quick when that lady's un undressing herself. Your children are going to take that one step further. Don't you dare think they're not. Your influence. Paul said, I write to you as children in the faith. How is your worship? Do you stand and worship during God's time? If the answer is no, your children are probably not going to worship either. If you're reading and praying at home, no, then guess what? Your children aren't going to be doing that either. The list goes on and on and on. It's time that you take the reins of your family and you train them with your influence. Now listen, let me move on. Listen, let me, can I tell you this? I love how Paul wrote this and I brought this on purpose because I believe the Lord wants you to know you may not have any biological children. Or maybe your biological children are old and grown and they left the nest. Can I tell you right now that you can be a godly father figure to many boys and girls even right here in this church. We have many families of single parents that would love to have a godly man step into their life. Royal Rangers. Girls ministry. You even, even not having to be totally dedicated to those ministries. But where are, let me give an in the scripture. You remember the story of Elijah and Elisha. 
Elisha followed the prophet Elijah. Elijah was the man of God for Israel. He, he, he did all kind of miracles. And he came to Elisha and he said, I want you to follow me. And he followed him. And you all know the story. Elisha followed Elijah for six years. And when Elijah was carried away, the Bible says his mantle fell from heaven. And Elisha cried and said, my father, my father. Could you imagine having the close relationship of someone not in your house call you father? Can I tell you, I have four biological children, but I've been working really hard to get many more than that spiritually. One of my spiritual daughters is here this day, who was in our youth group, who still texts me. Pastor Steve, what do you think about this? Pastor Steve, I got this college assignment. I said, I'm not going to cheat. But if it were my assignment, this is what I would do. <laughs> Come y'all, holy, look at you. I'm just saying, you got to be a dad. you got to be a spiritual dad. And you don't have to have biological children to do that. I love this in Proverbs 22, 6. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Do you hear what I said? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Can I, just, can I just get in the weeds just a little bit more for a moment? Because listen... We have a responsibility to show our influence to our children. But here's where parents lose it. When our children are not like us, we typically just back away. I don't get it. I wasn't like that when I was a kid. Let TikTok raise them. Let YouTube raise them. Let raise them. Whatever. This is where we fall, fathers. This is where we fall. Listen, your children may not go the same path that you're going. But what I mean by that is maybe vocationally, maybe educate. Well, I didn't have to do that. Maybe your son or daughter wants to do that and they need your permission to do that. You don't, they don't have to follow your exact path. Listen to your exact whatever. And I don't want to get on a soapbox with this, but this is very important because I see rifts in families all the time. Because the, maybe the father has one idea of what that child should be. And that child doesn't want nothing to do with that. But we're going to do it. Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden you get this disagreement, you get this rift. And I'm not talking about raising spiritually. I'm talking more practically. I'm talking more about vocation, maybe education, maybe things that maybe things worked for you a certain way. And maybe your, maybe your son or your daughter wants to take a different path. That's okay. We're not here to say, do what I did. We're here to say, what makes you go further? What makes you go further? I end every camp that I served chaplain at. It's a privilege and honor. And I, I end every camp with a charge in 1, King chapter, 1 Kings chapter 2. The last words of King David, he says this. He's the last words, his influence, even on his deathbed. He didn't grab his son, and he didn't give him some cheat code. He didn't grab his son, and, oh, remember, change the carburetor out in my, uh, my pickup truck. Maybe he said that, maybe not, but this is what's recorded in Scripture. He looked at his son Solomon in the eye, and with his dying breath, he said, Be a man. Follow my God, and never turn away. That's a man. That's a man. The last thing I want to talk to you, fathers, don't forfeit your legacy. Let me say it like this. If I can use a King James term, don't forfeit your mantle. You're wearing a mantle. You're wearing a mantle. In the Bible, the prophet would wear a certain mantle that would signify who he was. That way, when he came to a town, everybody knew he was prophet so-and-so. The story I just referenced with Elijah and Elisha, that was the same mantle, the mantle that he wore. Today we may call that an influence. We, I also want to take that a step further in legacy. On your notes, there's a two-chapter story that I want you to read later this week in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. This takes place right before the deathbed speech of David. This is King David bringing Solomon up because King David wanted to build a tabernacle for God before he died. God said, David, you're not going to build a tabernacle because you're too much, you've killed too many people. So he said, your son Solomon will build it. Instead of pouting, I'm not going to build it, and ain't nobody going to build it. 
ain't going to build it my way. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I want you to read how this transition took place. I'm going to highlight a couple of verses. In verse 9, David says, all right, God spoke to me. In verse 1 through 8, God tells him, you're not building it, your son Solomon. Guess what David did the next verse? As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart. In verse 10, he says, consider now that the Lord has chosen you to build the house. Be strong and go do it. Fathers, let me tell you, you are the catapult to your children. When is the last time you looked them in the eye and he said, be strong and do it. Be strong and do it in Jesus' name. And for the next two chapters, you see that King David brought the whole armies, the whole Israelites, the whole Levites in one assembly. And he said this, this is my son Solomon. You will follow him like you followed me. And the Bible says that he took the plans that he had drawn for the tabernacle and he handed them to Solomon. And he said, you go do it. Do it. Men of God, you're leaving a legacy for your kids. And when you're, when you're dead and gone, your family's going to think of you. Can you finish this sentence or imagine how they'll finish this sentence? My dad was a man of Let me give you a bonus. They're not going to say how you talked. They're going to say how you acted. My man, my dad was a what? I'm going to do everything in my power for my kids to finish that sentence by saying he was a loving, a spiritually leader in my home. He was kind. He was strong and firm when he had to be, but he loved God and loved me. I want them to say something along the lines of that. Lord, don't let me falter or fumble. My legacy is my prayer. I've got, I've got an illustration I wanted to show you, but i got a story I want to tell you, so I'm going to have to pick. We're going to do this Saturday morning, don't do drug style. i got an illustration for you. Y'all remember what I'm talking about. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 127 that a father is like a bow and his children are like arrows. This is a regular father. Maybe go 20 yards, maybe 15. This is a father without the spirit. This is a father with the spirit. I can't even hold this right. Where's Doug? Come on, Doug, don't hate me. This is a father with the spirit who's not a cheap imitation bought at Kmart, but someone who's got some money invested, some time invested. But guess what? This thing can go 100 yards or more. This thing will take out a deer or an elk, an antelope, even a terrorist if I need it to. Yeah, I just said that. Hoo-yah, Navy. Come on, son. What are you watching? Did you all get that illustration? Now I'm going to end with a story. Told you the clock was out. All right. We're going to end right now. There's a song that I've been listening to, and I, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I get the song, and I just put it on repeat all the time. I got the song I'm listening to called Talking to Jesus. Talking to Jesus from the old church basement. Let me tell you, I know some of y'all don't listen to that new music, but that album is tremendous. You need to download it. Right, Roger? We talk, we exchange songs all the time. There's a song that I've been listening to in my office called Talking to Jesus. And he tells the story. He said, my mama used to pray at night. And it sounded like mumbling to me and I would go into her room and she said, boy, this kind of praying is going to save your life. And the next verse says, when my child or my mom drug me to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night, khaki pants and a polo shirt. Oh, I put up a fight. 
And then the story goes on, and he's saying, now my, young, my oldest is 15, and I was singing my prayers the other night. And he came into my room, and he said, Father, I see you're busy. And he said, oh, but you couldn't have got the timing right. You see, I was talking to Jesus, and now my son will be talking to Jesus. And his son will be talking to Jesus. Can I tell you, fathers, don't forfeit your mantle. Don't forfeit your influence. I want to tell you a story. I got a picture. You're very familiar with the ministry of, of my life, the ministry of my brother, the ministry of my father, who has been an awesome, tremendous spiritual blessing. I want to introduce you to another member of our family that I don't think you've ever heard about or talked about, but I've got a picture of my grandfather, A.W. Markham Sr. This man was the Chuck Norris of Logan County, West Virginia. Let me just tell you right now. My father always spoke very highly of my grandfather to me as a young boy, how he was kind and gentle. The deepest bass singer in Logan County in the Markham Quartet, they would sing. And he would tell me stories of how kind he was. Let me just tell you a few of the stories of my grandfather was born in 1886. You heard me, 1886. My grandfather worked in the coal mines of West Virginia from the age of 16 years old on. 16 years old working in the mines of West Virginia. He actually had a leg amputated not long after he started in the coal mines and wore a peg leg. Earned the nickname Peg Markham. He was a man's man. There was a story of a widow that had a couple of boys up the mountain and there, at the, that, that were out of food and, and material and supplies. But there was some gunfire exchange at the base of that mountain from some feuding families. I got a southern heritage, so I can say that out loud. Nobody would take those food up there except old Peg Markham. He said, give me that Colt 45. He strapped a pistol. To, uh, true story. I was told this just recently by an uncle. He strapped that Colt 45 to his side, got that horse and buggy, and took those rations up that hill looking down the gun barrels of other people. My, my grandfather was a man's man. He would work all day in the coal mines, come home, raise 12 children, and still farm the land that he rented from the coal mining company. My Uncle Bobby was telling us that story just a couple of years ago. One story goes that one of my older uncles didn't feel like hoeing the field, so he took off running, knowing Grandpa Peg Markham couldn't catch him. My older southern grandfather went down to the bank of the creek and picked up a little smooth rock and threw it right in the back of his head, popped him right. <laughs> he t I said, what'd you do? He said, I turned around and came right back, <laughs> picked up my hoe. My grandfather was a man's man. He might not make it to 2021, but he was a man's man. My father was 62 when my grandfather was born. I'm telling you, he was Chuck Norris. Look at, look at his face. He's about to slap that photographer. And I love hearing the stories of grandfather, but there was a story I never knew until two years ago, my brother and I went down to do the funeral of one of our uncles who had passed. At the end of the funeral, we were greeted by a silver-haired gentleman, and we were getting ready to go, and he said, boys, come here and sit down. How many of y'all know when a southern gentleman says, boys, come here and sit down, you come here and you sit down? And he said, boys, I want to tell you a story. I loved your uncle, Billy. He said, but I want to tell you a story about your grandfather. He said, your grandfather was a tremendous man down here, but he was a man of God. And he said, I remember being a young boy, and we worked at the service station. We owned the service station, and our house was above the service station at the foot of the holler. That's what we call them down there. The hollows of the mountains. 
and he, would, he said, I would sit there and I would look and I would see this little flickering light that would be coming down the path. This little flickering light. And as I got closer, I realized it was a person. And as I got closer, I realized it was a man. And he would say, Dad, who is that man? And he would say, oh, that's old Peg Markham. See, he had a little bit of a gimp because he had the peg leg. And he said, boys, I want to tell you something. And as the summer nights would be and my windows would be open, he said, I would hear the voice of this elderly man walking two miles up the holler on foot with a peg leg. And you know what he would be singing? He would be singing prayers over his children. He would be singing songs about the Bible. He would sing gospel songs every Sunday night all by himself. Left the wife and 12 kids up to holler and he would walk for two miles down that hall, gimping on his peg leg. And he was not complaining and he was not sulking, but he was praying for my children. He said, I could hear him calling the names of your uncles and aunts. I could hear him praying for, and he said, and he looked us dead in the eye and he said, you two are doing what you're doing today because of your grandfather, Peg Markham. Amen. Listen, let me tell you that I found out that my grandfather was not a man of education. He was not a man of material substance. But he was a man of the spirit. He was a spirit-filled father that was dedicated to raise his children in the ways of God. And then my aunt would chime up and say, oh yeah, I remember being a little girl and he would pick me up for church and pick me up for Sunday school. And he would pray. Well, grandfather passed away in 1963. And after he passed away, the light of the family kind of went out. All 12 of them went nuts. My dad will tell you. I had aunts that were steeped into witchcraft. I had other uncles that were felons. I had other uncles that were in and out of bars. My dad will even tell you his testimony. The family completely fell apart. But I don't know about you, but I've learned one thing, that the power of prayer will last a lot longer than you and I will. And I believe that the prayers that Grandfather Peg Markham was praying down the aisles of that holler was somehow bouncing off of those mountains in the spirit realm because the Bible says it will not return to you void. And all of a sudden, almost 15 years later, in 1977, I used to hear the testimony of my Uncle Billy, the meanest Markham out of the bunch, served time in Jackson Prison. He said, I was sitting in my lazy boy chair. My wife had left me. It was Christmas Day of 77. My wife picked up my kids and left and said, you can have it. He said, I had a coffee table full of whiskey and marijuana that was before it was legal and he said I was going to have a Christmas day I'll never forget and as I went to pour a drink he said the Holy Spirit came into that living room and shook me out of that lazy chair and I came to the floor and I pounded the floor and said God how have I been wrong he made a beeline for Detroit Michigan to this man sitting right here and invaded their home for 12 hours preaching at my dad within one year's time all 12 brothers and sisters were saved and six of the men were called to ministry. That's the power of a legacy. That's the power of a mantle. That's the power of a man of God that's not afraid to stand up and say, you are made in God's image and you will make it. It's a man that's not afraid to pray for his family. It's a man that's not afraid to pray for his wife. It's a man that will leave a legacy that will outlive himself. Yes. Peter, would you come? Worship team is on their way, and we're going to pray for our men. He said, you are, what you're, you are where you are because your grandfather prayed for you. My father's pastored a church faithfully in Detroit, in Detroit area of Michigan for 12 years, evangelized for seven, and founded what you're sitting in today in 2002. My father did that. It was a byproduct of my uncle. It was a byproduct of my father, my grandfather, Peg Marco. And can I tell you, one day I'm going to go to heaven. And one day I'm going to meet Peg Markham. And he's not going to have a peg leg no more. 
And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, Grandpa Markham, you've never met me. But I'm the youngest son of your youngest son, born 94 years after you were born. And I raised my four kids in church. And I raised my wife in church. And I carried on the legacy that you left. Thank you, Peg Markham, for being a man of God. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for worshiping and showing me how to do it. I may not have met you, but I'm a living part of your legacy. And I hope to God, while I'm standing there, another little boy or another little girl that I've never met says, Grandpa Steve Markham, I've never met you, but I'm the youngest son of your youngest son. And I served God 100 years after you. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for investing in my father. Investing in my mother. That is the impact of a spirit-filled father. Men of God, I challenge you today. If you are ready to take up your mantle and not forfeit your voice. If you're ready to take up your place of influence in the home. And if you're ready to prepare your legacy and make some changes at home. I'm going to ask you to step out into the aisle right now. Just do it. If you're willing to be that man of God, step out into the aisle. Step out into the aisle. We got room up front if you want. Because I'm going to pray for you men. Come on, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Yes, I know it's going to cost you some things at home. Yes, I know it's going to make you unsubscribe from some services. Yes, I know it's going to make you break ties with some friends. If you're willing and ready to take that mantle, we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing Fill Me Up. And if some of you have to go, go. But I promise you this won't be, this won't be too long. But I want you to make a stand right here, right now. We're going to sing Fill Me Up. And I want you to use this as a chance for God to fill you up and leave this place a spirit-filled father. Amen. Come on, let's go. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.